In this episode, we discuss White Out, the film invented by Mike Nesmith's mother. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalin in the number two seat this time. And I'm Amanda Melson, special guest announcing myself. Wow. <laughs> um, Amanda, welcome back. Thank you. You were here once before when Stuart was here. That's true. And now you're back when Elliot's here. Mm-hmm. Elliot, who's much more of a gentleman than Stuart. That's true. I don't true. know if I'd say that. I, he's a, I'm a gentleman, but he's a ladies' man. Uh-huh. So... He he has a way of charm about him, whereas I merely have a ba- base level of politeness. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad that that's the only uh, thing you base the way you treat me on. <laughs> it's just your level, your w- how you treat all women mm-hmm. also exactly applies to same. me. Yeah. <laughs> with a courtesy, with a professional courtesy. Thank you. Yeah. That's the way Thank I treat you. you, the way I treat my fiance, the way I treat my mother. <laughs> Despite the fact that you actually. I've known Amanda for quite some time, unlike Stuart, who was just meeting Amanda when we did a That's podcast true. together. We've all known each other for a while. That's true. You know what, guys? Let's not talk about a movie. Let's just reminisce about sure. Sarah Schaefer's Obsessed With You. Ah, <laughs> good and the old day- times. days of Juvie Hall Theater. Let's reminisce <laughs> about a failed New York alternative comedy theater. It only failed because it didn't make money, Dan. Yeah, it's yeah. so, not a failure. Creatively, yeah. it was a hit. Well, Except the, with the audiences. Well, yeah. on those standards, uh, it's just as successful as any alternative New York comedy theater ever. There you go. Like even the even the successful New York comedy theaters um, have closed lose, down. Lose money on their actual shows. The only uh, way that they make any money is by charging people to learn how to do comedy. Yeah. Oh, we we, we should have done that. Yeah, yeah, I know. And those people become a source of free labor too. Mm-hmm. If any people had come to see any shows at that theater, we you, could have enticed them into learning how you we, charged we them. did it. Yeah, mm-hmm. taught them lessons. Yeah, in comedy stuff. <laughs> mm. Yeah, the first lesson we would teach them would be taking their money. <laughs> <laughs> here's a here's your money. Say goodbye to it. <laughs> come back next week. That's <laughs> with be, more money. That's going to be the next ten to twenty years of your comedy career. Anyway, really, twenty years. Well, I'm. So you're saying the average comedian works for twenty years without making a profit? <laughs> profit? Yes, <laughs> probably. I'm just. I mean, you know, I've been at it for eight, so I'm just giving myself more years a to wide go, margin. And then the money's going to come in. Yep. By the time you're in your mid fifties, uh-huh. you should be making upwards of twenty six thousand dollars a year. That's when you get your pension. <laughs> your comedy pension. That's yeah. true. Once that kicks in, you're sitting pretty. Mm-hmm. I've been paying in every year, so to who? <laughs> Some guy, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, the voice of the Shudini. Have you seen? Okay, I know he's the voice of the Affleck Duck. No more. I don't. I, he may not be. Oh well, he's. The, I know he's the voice of Iago in Aladdin. Well, that that will be forever. Yeah, they they can't change that. But I saw an ad for the Shudini. Which is a device that, that is. old people use to put their shoes on. <laughs> oh, I assume it's some sort of wish-granting shoe. No, <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> a a stick with like a little uh, uh, pincher at the end of it. 
so that you can just pinch the back of your shoe and slip it onto your foot without bending over. <laughs> so basically, it's like a version of those things that have like plastic sharks and like and other creatures. And dinosaur heads on them. Yes. Or, or robot Except arms. Yes. Shoe base. But it's like... Do you need help putting on your shoes? <laughs> so, wow, so Gilbert Gottfried is in a production of My Fair Lady. <laughs> that was my best Gottfried. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's named after Houdini, who, of course, was famous for putting his shoes on. <laughs> Without bending over. People used that to was come, the amazing people thing. People used to come from miles around to see how he put his shoes on. Yeah. Well, in the eighties, Gilbert Gottfried specialized in specialized in introducing things where women took their tops off, mm-hmm. and now he's specializing in, in ways that old people can put their shoes on. I suppose an old person could take their top off with a shoe. <laughs> 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 they could doff their top. Yeah. So that's all a long way around to saying that we watched a movie tonight that was called Whiteout. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ah! Everyone's watching to see what you will do. Right? That's the song? Right. I don't know. That's that whiteout song? That's twice the royalties now. That you have to pay. Cha-ching. You're welcome, ASCAP. So, Kate Beckinsale was in this film. Yes. Everyone, America's sweetheart, Kate Beckinsale. America's English Rose sweetheart. The the actress that Amanda turned to us and said, what else has she been in? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, most many of her movies, lately, most of her movies have involved vampires and werewolves. Yeah, so. well, you're married to a guy who co-wrote a book about werewolves, so you should be more familiar with Kate Beckinsale than either of us. If you if you took any interest in your husband's life, obviously she doesn't. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, like uh, she. All I know is she wasn't in uh, Twilight or Twilight New Moon. But that mm. could describe the vast majority of actors. <laughs> <laughs> A very small percentage. All of actors. actors fall into two categories: <laughs> in Twilight or Twilight New Moon, or not. You're saying that if you um, watch any vampire werewolf movies. He'll know who Kate Beckinsale is, but well, specific- I'm saying I've watched two of those movies. <laughs> good point. She makes and she wasn't point. in either of those, so right, fair enough. I don't know what it takes to smoke Kate Beckinsale out of her own, <laughs> but apparently you got to go to more than two <laughs> vampire were- werewolf movies. <sighs> um, what has she been in? Seriously, she's in the Underworld series. Don't, never heard of it. She was in uh, Van Helsing. Nope. Uh, Earlier in her career, which she also was in, has vampires and werewolves in it. Yeah, she was in uh, Cold Comfort Farm, which has no vampires or werewolves. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's a fun movie. Serendipity with John Cusack. Oh, oh I saw that. that. That's when you know what that is. That's when fate has a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> when fate is stupid. That's what. Yeah, I saw that movie. Yeah, it's well, one of those movies where the screenwriter decided to have the characters throw huge roadblocks in the way of their own happiness. Actually, yeah, well, it's a movie loosely based on a dessert restaurant. So. <laughs> Loosely based. I mean, they go there in it. Fifty percent of the film is their famous frozen hot chocolate. Really, fifty percent. So if it's an hour and a half film. Forty-five yeah. minutes of the running time is that. So I'm more. Yes. Inter- I'm more interested wait, wait, wait. in how frozen hot chocolate is physically possible than I am in well, anything that happened in White Serendipity, House. Serendipity, Dan. You when know, fate, 
there a was a bit of foreshadowing in serendipity foreshadowing for the movie whiteout Explain. because Does wind plays a part the important thing about serendipity is that when fate has a sense of humor um <laughs> she lo- she loses it. a glove and John Cusack finds her glove and gives it to her. Oh, snap. And you know when she could have used a glove? When she was out in Antarctica and white out. <laughs> in the movie White Out. Because she lost her gloves and she ended up losing two fingers as a result. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so... Uh, Should we tell the, we should what tell the audience. story there is to this stupid film? <laughs> yes, please. Uh, not to be biased or anything. Whiteout tells the tale of Kate Beckinsale, whose name I don't remember in the movie, so we'll call her Kate Beckinsale who is the U.S. Marshal who is stationed at the Antarctica Research Center. I guess in case there's a crime that takes place in mm-hmm. Antarctica. Uh, she's just about to leave. She's a day away from leaving for somewhere else. Uh, and the reason she was at Antarctica is because she had some trauma in her past involving an arrest she made in Miami. Also involving uh, a cute vest and sleeveless top. <laughs> yes. And when you uh, when you have a traumatic experience in a place known for a certain type of weather, you have to go to a place that has the exact opposite type of exact weather. Exact opposite yeah. type of weather, exactly. Um, so they would... Uh, what was I saying? Okay, so she's about to leave. Her only real friend there is Doc, played by Tom Skerritt, who is a doctor. Uh, and, uh-oh, a body's found out in the middle of nowhere. How could it have gotten there? And it was a murder. And mm-hmm. this discovery leads her on a trail of intrigue and adventure. And uh, eventually it turns out it's like a diamond smuggling operation. Yeah. Is oh, it, and along it, the way she's attacked by a man with an ice axe, and she has to open up the door of a place when it's really cold and her gloves aren't on and she loses her fingers as a result. Now, Elliot, is it a diamond smuggling operation or is it um, is it that this has something to do with the prologue where uh, it happens in 1957 and there's a Soviet plane that someone, someone starts shooting on it for reasons that are not apparent at the time, and the plane crashes. Reasons that yes. are never apparent. It's never apparent. There's a Soviet plane that's carrying diamonds over Antarctica for God knows what reason, and one of the guys starts, I guess the pilots have decided to steal the diamonds, so they start shooting up the plane, everyone dies and the plane crashes, and then 50 years later, these diamonds are rediscovered by mm-hmm. somebody, and someone else gets them, and then some people decide to do something with them somewhere. And this somehow leads to other people dying, and something ends up going on, and Kate Beckinsale wanders around in the snow for a long time, and then it turns out it was Doc, and Doc kills himself. So you would call these diamonds the MacGuffin? I would call them the McCrappin. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> this is a, this was not a good movie. Crass. So yeah, um, yeah. No, it's your it's your typical uh, whodunit set on Antarctica. Yeah, sort of. Except uh, there's a lot of who cares whodunit. How so? I mean, Amanda. Just a body mysteriously appears, I guess, mm-hmm. in Antarctica. But I don't know. I mean, it, they don't build up a lot of suspense. You don't really care. Well, I the. <sighs> Part of the problem with this movie, and I don't know whether it was because, um, you know, DVDs are mixed in a weird way or my sound system is weird, but they put a lot more in- emphasis on making sure you could hear the wind than yeah. any of the dialogue that actually transpired. Just as in the final scene of the film, they put more emphasis 
on the fact that there was a blinding white snowstorm. As opposed to telling you which of the snowsuit-clad figures is who <laughs> when they're all fighting. And the ones you can dimly see as gray shapes through the snow. Yeah. I think they really thought people were excited about snow. <laughs> and that, uh, and I think they missed their chance because this year snow was very big. Yes. Yeah, yeah maybe that's part of the problem, actually. Maybe if we had seen this movie, you know, in October, we would have thought it was amazing. Yeah. Look at them! They Three identical figures in, in the parkas snow. that we can barely see through some snow. Uh, but, yeah, it's not a well-made movie. <laughs> and... Uh, the emphasis seems to be on keeping the audience from understanding what is going on at any given point. Yeah. Yeah, and, okay, so there's a character who is in grave danger who calls Kate Beckinsale yes. from an alternate... There's another There's another area that was a Russian camp, and the research camp, and there are some geologists who are there who are pulling ice samples out of Antarctica. And one of them calls Kate Beckinsale and says come over here and you'll understand everything and she's she, like what's going on just tell me and he's like no you have to come over and she says no really it's i would have to go through a whiteout blizzard and a whiteout is a blizzard. On the south pole to get to you yeah and he says no you have to come over and then she comes over and, he, and you he's know, dead he's dead and there's a guy with an ice axe who tries to get why him. wouldn't he just tell yeah. her oh there's a murder well man the diamonds are something you really need to see to understand yeah they're forever <laughs> You know... <laughs> it could physically be in the presence of the thing that's... The and those one. were big diamonds when we see them. They're uncut. Do you know how many two-month salaries it would take to buy all those? God, A lot. So many. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of kisses are going to begin there. <laughs> yeah. Inside that dead guy's sewn-together calf. Full of diamonds. Every kiss begins there. Yeah. And also... Antarctica. And also... Uh, Elizabeth Taylor would point out that these have always given me luck. <laughs> Meaning white diamonds, of course. Yeah. Uh, and she would pull white them out from diamonds. She would pull them from her own ear. Because you see, Doc, Tom Skerritt had been sewing uncut diamonds into dead people's Bags flesh. of them. Yeah. In order to smuggle them out somehow, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing, the movie is very uninterested in the movie. And yes. It, it It's almost like it's trying to lull you to... It's like an action movie that's trying to lull you to sleep. To see if you can... If it can defeat you, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like staying awake is a challenge that the movie has thrown... A gauntlet the movie, movie's thrown down. Well, it's like... It takes a long time for the... Um, the parka-clad uh, ski parka mask... And, parka and recreations clad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the ski mask-wearing killer... With his uh, ice uh, hammer or whatever, like the it's like an ice axe. I think. Yeah, so he's like the slasher in this film. It takes a long time for him to actually show up in the movie. He's really only in like two scenes, and then they use him very sparingly. Yeah, and then he's almost immediately unmasked as being this goofy Australian guy. Yeah, who is completely non-threatening without the mask and axe. What was he doing there? How did he get there? Well, See, these are things you would think he's, we... He's one of the pilots who works at the research station. And so how did he know about around. the diamonds? Oh, I don't know. Oh, he was with the group that found the Russian plane that had the diamonds in it, I think. So if a group of geologists yeah. sees a bunch of diamonds, they immediately go apeshit and start murdering each other with ice axes. Yes. Well, that's the thing. I was almost wondering if like, the Russians were carrying a, like, a meteor 
that drives people crazy or something yeah. like that. Like, because it seemed whenever people got around it, they started, they would go into like a murderous rage of some kind, which almost makes like more sense. It makes more sense to me that we'd be watching a movie about a rock that brainwashes people and makes them go crazy than about diamonds where everyone is just like, da, diamonds! Well, that's sort of what I'm saying. Like, everything ends up being less interesting than it is. Like, you, you know, you're introduced to this uh, axe-wielding figure, and then he's almost immediately de- demystified as a goofy Australian. Yeah. You know, like, you think that maybe there'd be some crazy explanation. Like, no, it's just uncut diamonds. And then at the end, um, I kind of admire that the movie doesn't have, like, a big, stupid uh, action ending. Yeah, there's no explosions but or anything still, in that scene. At the end, it's kind of like, well, we've uncovered that it's Doc, Tom Scarrett. Now uh, Tom Scarrett is going to do the noble thing and walk into the blizzard and die. It's just like the end of Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, the Alan Moore Superman story. Sure I, it is. Is that... Is that I, Where he literally walks out of his base on Antarctica, seemingly to his doom, as, yeah. uh, as punishment for killing Mr. Mixipidlik. Yeah. Except for... Except for he doesn't kill himself. No, but he's he's uh, exposed himself to kryptonite that supposedly would kill him. Mm. That supposedly mm-hmm. he doesn't have his powers, so he'd die in the cold. Really, that's not what happens. I'd but, rather see that movie. Well, it's a really good comic. I recommend it. Oh, it's a comic. Drawn by Kurt Swan, I'm not I think. read a comic. You're married to a guy who wrote a book about werewolves. Yeah, You're not look, read a bye, comic? still have sex, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to start reading comic books. <laughs> uh, but By the way, when my it's husband... It's true, we don't reproduce, we don't... Uh... No. When my husband proposed anyway. to me and offered me the diamond that's currently on my finger... I immediately swung at him with an ice axe. <laughs> wow, no. That's the fake diamonds out of people. Anytime you're around diamonds. And he also, he ha- you could be a mild-mannered geologist. He handed you a man's calf, and you opened it and found a diamond ring inside. Yes. Yep. Here's something that I wanted to talk about a little bit. I, I said this during the uh, movie itself, that I feel there's two obvious ways you would go with this story you if would there was not gonna... do it <laughs> you would say or you would make a shitty no movie i'm kate beckinsale show yep. me a better script <laughs> one where i raise my voice at least once one where i don't spend the movie flying from one place to another through snow kate beckinsale by the way not complaining but introduced in a movie about wearing a lot of clothes slowly taking her clothes off and then taking a shower yeah well there should have been more of that yeah yeah that that's the exploitation instinct that this movie unfortunately um, suppressed for it's, the rest well, of the it's film. It's almost like they thought they were making a classy movie, but really they were making a, a piece of garbage. Yeah. So they were like, "Listen, we'll make it really atmospheric, real quiet. You know, we're not going to draw attention to the unseemier elements of this movie about murders over a diamond robbery." Uh, but instead, they should have done that. You know. Yeah, but no. The, the two ways that I'm talking about is if you're going to have a, a film about a u.s marshal solving a crime in antarctica and why wouldn't you have that it's not a bad setup it's an interesting setup no no well tell the two ways you would do it i would either do it by there's there's no law force down in antarctica because why would there be i mean like the wild west there probably is and that's where they base this on they probably like someone heard oh like antarctica has a u.s marshal for some reason let's set a mystery there but but most people would think, like, of course there's no police down there, so let's have a murder happen down there, and then we have to send someone who's not used to being in Antarctica so it's like insomnia. to solve this crime. Exactly. Or you go the other way, and you have a cop who 
works there because you know maybe they're a scientist maybe they don't want a really like scientist job yeah sci- i like it science cop yeah but he's not actually that like, movie scientific cop <laughs> he's not like a gritty she does use science cop. to save solve the crime she looks up a series of printouts that say science on them. Yeah. And then she... And X's right next to them. If X's... She looks up the words that don't have X's next to them, and the word is science, and she uses that to find the bodies with the diamonds. Right. It makes as much sense as what I've just said. And then she compares the sutures on the bodies to the sutures on her three-fingered hand. Yeah. Because she... Tom Scarrett just chopped off two of her fingers. He was in Top Gun. Right. Um, and alien. No, but the yeah. <laughs> so you were saying that. No, I was saying that like you would have a cop who is not used to actual crime because they're a cop. You'd either have someone who's, who's not used to Antarctica and is dealing with that, or a cop who's out of their league because they're not used to solving crime. Right. It's what you know. What you're you know you're screening uh, the taking of Pelham one two three tomorrow. Too late for uh, the people or On not Wednesday. tomorrow Wednesday. Well, maybe if you put this up today, I'm not putting it up. We'll today. put it up tomorrow. <laughs> Well, it, it goes up on the weekend, like it always. It goes will up. have screened. On it March will have 3rd. screened, but the point is, go like, go back in time and see it. You have Walter Matthau there is someone who's a transit cop who's not used to dealing with terrorists. Yeah, terrorists, and he that's what know makes how it to negotiate interesting. Yeah, you know, like a guy who's above his head, but is dogged and intelligent, and makes it, you know, like solves the case, as opposed to someone who's brought in murderers before, but is boring and stupid <laughs> and also has been living in antarctica for i don't know 80 years by this point yeah she yeah. has she has trauma because she keeps flashing back to her last case back on the mainland um where she was in miami uh bienvenidos <laughs> that's how they say it <laughs> and uh she and her partner captured a criminal of some kind they never explained what he did or who he was well he did have a threatening goatee Yes, and he looked vaguely Hispanic, uh, and he, her partner set so it up. So drugs is what you're saying, drugs, right? <laughs> I have to assume so. And her, she was attacked by the criminal because her partner had been bribed to let him escape and possibly kill her in the ensuing madness. Right. And but she has managed to she subdues the criminal, and her partner pulls a gun and she shoots him so that he falls out of an open window. Well, but let's let's not gloss over this. Window. This was what was really funny to me, is uh, the the bad guy bribes uh, the other partner to, to let him go, and then the bad guy goes into the bathroom alone to slam her face into a mirror, and uh, Kate Beckinsale is, over, is able to overpower, overpower him. him, and then she exits to find the her partner talking on the phone, being like, officer down! Like, the partner didn't go into the bathroom to make sure that this went down correctly, like, didn't go in to check to make sure that she was actually dead yeah. at, when she was supposed to. Well, the way you do it, too, is that you have the person beat you up, and mm. then he escapes, and you say, like, oh, I couldn't stop him, he, he took me, you know... I, I turned away for a second, you know, so there's an alibi. Or yeah. not, not an alibi, so that your your other partner doesn't get killed or have the shit beat out of her. And so while you're standing there with a the walkie-talkie going, oh, I don't know, he escaped. Uh. And he then must... when you buy a new car or a big screen TV, there's that much less suspicion on you. Mm-hmm. Right. You that makes it. sense. But she every time she sees like a bullet wound or anything, she flashes back to this event. And there's a scene where she's <laughs> sleeping. She's just she's just fought off the guy with the ice axe for the first time. And she manages to get back inside. They're fighting in the snow. She gets back inside, shuts the door so he can't get in, and passes out. And then she flashes back to Miami and to the fight she just had yeah. seconds ago. And we see it in brief, you know, all in brief flashes again while she 
is in bed going, no, It's the fight no. so nice they showed it twice. <laughs> but mm-hmm. not even like spaced apart. You know? Yeah, immediately afterwards we get a recap of what just happened, but interspersed or intercut with uh, her Miami fight. Her Miami adventure. So that we understand, oh... Uh, she's not that good at being a U.S. Marshal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a that reason they the sent her to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. she has never had to do anything. There, yeah, and Although, then also there's a scene where the this uh, where's that guy from? The, the nice guy? No, no, no oh, the other he's guy. From the, UN. the UN. The UN is like, well, you know, I'm here investigating because uh, you know we've never had a murder in Antarctica, in Antarctica before. This could become an international incident as somehow. If, as if like. All of a sudden, uh, there are going to be tons of murders, <laughs> and it's like, well, Antarctica is a really bad neighborhood now. Oh yeah, well per capita, down man, the per capita, yeah, right, 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 it was terrible. But yeah. uh, and the uh, it was like genocide. I'm not surprised they sent the U.S. marshal to who doesn't isn't very good at the station because the research station doesn't seem to be very good at being a research station. <laughs> Everyone, we constantly see people just kind of hanging out. There's a band in Hawaiian shirts that's always playing in the hallway of the research station. It's like an episode of Scrubs. They pour, <laughs> they pour a bunch of booze into glasses, getting most of it on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. It really, like, she that always bothers me in movies, by the way. I'm like, come on, it's perfectly good alcohol that you're just tossing around because you're showing that we're party animals yeah, here. Yeah, if you were in that scene, you'd be like, no! You'd be licking the floor <laughs> to get the I'd booze I'd be crying. Out. Yeah. And... Uh, and they're they're using ice samples they're using for the million, ice in the glass. Million year old ice samples. They're like serving chips out of a mastodon. Yeah, they're either, well, that happened. Yeah. Well, There's it's like those people who found a mastodon and they ate it. Well, it's like how uh, and apparently I don't think it was very good. But. <laughs> it's like how New York uh, tap water is supposed to be good because of all the tiny crustaceans in them. Is that what does it? Because it is great. Yeah, it is the best tasting water in the world. Mm. So um, there you go. Mm, same thing delicious old ice oh yeah old ice is full of crustaceans (laughs) but it's just like it it's it where it's supposed to be a research station but it's like full of weird computer displays that don't show you just show you nothing but maps or like really (laughs) old-fashioned like green on black type and then there's people just hanging around in shorts and t-shirts partying like oh in the beginning there's a group of streakers for no reason yeah through the middle of antarctica yeah and it's like there's a scene where tom scared is trying to teach these guys how to survive in the cold and they're not wearing enough coats and he's like oh your core temperature has dropped by 97 degrees by now you're losing motor functions like you're gonna die in a in a little bit i'm gonna teach you how to survive but we've just seen like a bunch of guys run naked through through antarctica (laughs) so it's like wait a minute how could they do it you know well they're pros elliot I, I guess so. Yeah, they've they've got a tough outer shell of skin that keeps the warmth in. I will say that uh, Tom Skerritt is pretty good in this movie. He's very yeah, quiet. I, mean, I always like to see Tom Skerritt get work. Yeah. So we can good work wet out. Thank you for giving Tom Skerritt a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, did we have any other stupid things? Well, we're talking about? about how like you you brought it up a little bit with the computers, like how all the computers in the movie either seem to be like. You know, like old, like Commodore sixty four style, green on black or whatever, or it's like the, the at the end, Kate Beckinsale sends an email, and after she sends it, there's a big green check mark that covers about a third of the screen that says sent. And I don't, I, you know, do filmmakers not realize that there are personal computers in every house 
these days? Maybe like, people that's use them an and, yeah, email they, program they, that we just don't. Maybe <laughs> that's how Net Zero works. That's, uh, yeah, or like FiOS. Is yeah. that it? It's like Juno. Juno.com. It might be like, like large print email for like people with bad eyes. Or like Antarctica Mail. <laughs> that's true. But it's, you said that as if it was pun, but there was no pun. No, there was nothing. It wasn't even two. It wasn't even two words combined into you one. Just, it was both words. You just put a pause <laughs> in, the, uh, in the wrong place. Uh-huh. But it's it, you do. I mean, you see it in movies a lot, like or like in. I remember it when uh, I know who killed me when we watched that. Like uh-huh. it showed that you're using a web search and like in a way that doesn't make sense and with the way computers don't work. Like it's almost like uh, yeah, they don't trust people to know how. Well, computers the, yeah, work. there was that scene in. Um, what was it? Dragon Ball? Uh, no, not Dragon Ball. It was D-Wars? the Dragon no, Wars. Shoot, which one was it? I didn't it? see Dragon Chun, Ball. Chun Li. Oh, Street Street, Street Fighter, Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. Where someone does a <laughs> Street search. Street Fighter: The Legend they... of Chun Li. <laughs> it would have been a very different movie. Instead of Chun Li, it's Chun Li. There's a scene where they don't know someone's name, but they do a search for her apparently With, via her face. Her face. Well, there are some apps that can do that now. Yeah, but if you, but they didn't have like a photo of her, like I don't know, like where did they get the photo in the first place? Yeah, that's true. It seemed to have been that they remembered what her face looks like, and they did a search <laughs> off of that. Wow, they did a description of it. Can her. you just draw a sketch into your computer and have it look up that face? I guess so. It would be pretty cool. That would be good. Well, you could find though. rapists right away. <laughs> much better than the current way where wow. they don't find them. <laughs> What a grim application Sorry. for the technology you immediately That's a good application to. for it. No, it is a you good application. That couldn't just be rapists. It could be any criminal. <laughs> That's true. Good point. Um, yeah, so there's that. That's the kind of courtesy that Elliot chose all women. Listen, I know women aren't just victims of Sometimes rape. They're, they're victims of other crimes. <laughs> Theft, murder, <laughs> assault. Now, let's see. Intellectual property rights. <laughs> Dog napping. <laughs> um. I mean, the woman isn't the victim, though. The dog is. Well, the woman's feelings are the victim. <laughs> I mean, we don't know that the dog napper isn't treating that dog well. Can I, can I take this moment to bring up another problem I had? <laughs> sure. With, with movies or the film Whiteout? Yeah, we with should me. talk about Whiteout. No, oh, if I had it. another kind of problem, I'd just draw a face into <laughs> rapistfind.com. <laughs> Wow. Oh, she has a name already. Is that She's going to be taken? approaching venture capitalists after the podcast. It's called rapistfine.com. I think it's the next chat roulette. It's going to be really big. Oh, uh, man. Um, actually, that's probably a horrible porn site that I, I don't even... Ugh. Nobody look into it. Nobody type that into their computer. Don't. It's oh. happening right now. Oh, it's no. Don't well, do it. Well, it's not happening right now. It's happening in the future don't when people are it. listening to us. Well, right now for them. Yeah. God. It's so weird that we're recording this now, and yet in a week when people listen to it, like we could tra- all be dead. <laughs> wow. You're grim, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to go try- down. I had to go to Amanda's level. I let's, try to let's, get the spirits of this podcast up. Nope. Let's draw the faces of the people we think might murder us. us. <laughs> Who has wronged us over yeah. this past yeah. year. So what, were you, what was your problem with the oh, movie Whiteout? Oh, okay, out? so there's this climactic oh, fight. Out. Stop it. <laughs> I told Dan that I like to picture Whiteout as a movie about an addiction to um, liquid paper corrector <laughs> starring Edie McClurg's character from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> that would be a great movie. Whiteout. Ed. Oh, Ed. We're all out um, of Whiteout. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to order more. <laughs> wow. Oh. She's making, she's getting. I've Ferris murdered and- someone with an ice axe. <laughs> 
Oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's a pretty, I can't do it quite pretty good, good either, yet but. obscure impression you've got there. Amanda. You know, I had to do it. I don't. I don't want to brag to everybody on the <laughs> internet, but I work in advertising, oh. and one, one campaign I was working on. Um, uh, They're like, we need an Ed McClurg type. <laughs> yes, I was like it. No, but I was the one who said it was that. for that serial oh. clergies. It was. <laughs> McClurgos, I guess. <laughs> that that Kevin Smith, every box, in that every Kevin bite. Smith movie, Clerks. <laughs> Clur- that's the kind of shoes that they wear in Holland. Oh, you won't believe what just happened in the bathroom. Um, but I, I wanted one of our talking sponges in our talking sponge campaign to sound like Edie McClurg, and I demonstrated the voice. Nice for a group of executives, and all I could say was. It's a good Edie McClurg. <laughs> I could probably get Edie McClurg for that role. I, I, that's what I was hoping. The thing is, like, now Edie McClurg is listening to this podcast, and she's, oh, yeah, she is. she's bemoaning the paycheck she missed out on. I'm sorry, like, Edie. Yeah, Edie's been a big fan of this this podcast for a while. She never misses a cast. Like, oh, don't burst. I think the Flophouse is a righteous dude. <laughs> See, that's our next promo. We probably have to pay her. And the state of John Hughes, a lot of money for Probably. That. There's a state called John Hughes? <laughs> when, did we, when did we make John Hughes a state? We got 50 of them. We don't need a 50-verse. Just, Puerto Rico's been waiting for so long. Give them a just, shot. It's just outside of Chicago. It's just one high school in Chicago. <laughs> and they're their own state. Yeah. Wow. But wait, okay, Anywho, so my problem, problem my problem. With Edie McClary. So there's this big fight. Big fight. And it's between... Betwixt. Three people in uh, identical parkas in, in a thick coating of snow. So we don't know who is who. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't someone have been wearing uh, a red parka? Like a red parka. Or, or like a, a hat. Like a, yeah, a hat. Or like a, you know, like a scarf that's blowing out behind them. Or like a, yeah. you know, like a, a, a name tag on the back <laughs> well, of like their parka. Like give one of the men a beard. Yeah, yeah, like no. that flows out over the park. Yeah, let's make it Santa. It's like watching any fight scene in one of the Transformers movies. You're like, well, there are two robots fighting. I don't know which one is which or why I should care. <laughs> yeah. But it sure is happening. <laughs> the other problem with all the fight scenes is like they all take place along one of these ropes. Guide ropes. These guide ropes, which is it could be cool if it was done differently, but... Yeah, well. <laughs> I just kept watching it thinking like, okay, well... All of these buildings like are, are close enough to each other that I feel like if you were in a life or death situation, you would let go of the rope. You wouldn't take the time to actually buckle yourself to the but rope. But if you let go of the rope, you get blown away oh, yeah, in, the, in the... White out. Oh, you were supposed to do oh. the... I don't want to work. I just want to bang know. on the... That's how it goes, right? I don't think so. <laughs> Three songs. Do 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 do. R O C K in the U S A. R. I haven't said that one in a while. Okay. That was my catchphrase briefly. Mm-hmm. By briefly, I mean for about seven months. <laughs> Everyone was saying it. Every all the Flophouse. Oh, yeah. The Flophouse message boards lit up with well, people quoting the you. Flophouse talking dolls that we released. Mine <laughs> said that. Yours said you pulled the string and it went. <sighs> and uh, when you pulled Stewart's string. Uh, it was his penis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Watch it, dude. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, if you want to buy one of those Flophouse talking dolls, you want to buy one of those, manufacture <laughs> it, <laughs> and then sell it to yourself. Give us a cut. 
I hate talking dolls where you pull the string and then you realize it's Stuart's penis. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> you should be able to figure that out yeah. nope. before you pull well, it. The least nope. the doll can do is be up front with you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It reminds me of the heyday of, uh, for some reason, of uh, Freddy Krueger when there was a Freddy Krueger talking doll for children. Uh, and no one seemed to think that... Uh, the character of a hideously disfigured child molester <laughs> who murders children might not be the best character to make a talking doll for seven-year-olds. What did uh, he say? It was like, sweet dreams, you know, and like, Freddy's here, you know. <laughs> I'm going to molest you. <laughs> was... I'm a victim of mob justice. Yeah. Anyway. I had a temp job once where uh, I worked... At Freddy's office? Yes. <laughs> wow. That was the worst. Awkward. <laughs> Collating dreams. <laughs> <laughs> collating, collating dreams. That's the next Oprah's book was. Temp job. I I was working at Discovery Toys, but I was working like for the people who who just des- decided which toys the Discovery Channel would be selling or whatever. Mm, wow. And so they had a closet of all their Steve Irwin dolls. This was before Aww. before he died. Oh, okay. And uh, they were like, Amanda, we need you. We don't know what we have, so we need you to. <laughs> Go into the closet and like press the button on each and every Steve Irwin doll and catalog what they're saying. It was like, so I just had to go into this closet by myself and like, good day, mate. Ah, that's a feisty Sheila. Just you know. Wow. Yeah. Writing the most it down. Amazing job I've ever heard of. That sounds great. Yep. <sighs> And I wouldn't no do that time, if I were you. Not one I... time did I pull something and find out <laughs> Steve Irwin's penis. Well, that's good. Not one time. I just imagine the, the one, you pressed dozens of Steve Irwin dolls that are normal, and one that's possessed by a killer spirit. <laughs> and it says crazy, scary things, but then you're like, watch out for stingrays. Yeah, oh, uh, Steve Irwin doll. Oh. Sorry. How prescient. Yep. Yep. So, guys. When you said Steve Irwin doll, what I thought at first was Steve Urkel doll. I was like, why did Discovery Channel have all these Steve Urkel dolls? <laughs> well, he made the Urkel bot. That's mm-hmm. true. And the jetpack, mm-hmm. the miniaturization ray, the he was, time machine. He was quite an amazing scientist. Yeah, the machine that turned him into Stefan Urkel, the cool version. <laughs> he was a very good scientist. Yeah, he was way ahead of uh, any technology we actually have today. If only so. he could have turned his studies to curing cancer, as opposed <laughs> to building a robot of himself that could work at a convenience store. <laughs> Did he have that realization and, and look within well, and say, did I do that? <laughs> Elliot, necessity is the mother of invention. No, Frank Zappa is the mother of invention. <laughs> oh. Well, I learned something new. So, so so you're saying, wait, that he needed a robot <laughs> needed, of himself. <laughs> he needed someone to cover a shift. Oh, if, I Because uh, I, can I can't imagine, like, Urkel is in the lab and he goes, at last, another one of perfect beauty like me. If he was diagnosed, my perfect with a, form reproduced in metal. If he was diagnosed with a terrible disease, he would have probably cured it. That's how we could have saved things if we could have found some way of giving of giving Urkel a disease. Yeah, I think this discussion would have been more pertinent if we had watched surrogates. <laughs> yeah, we should have watched surrogates. Less snow. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time to uh, put a cap on this discussion of whiteout. And give our <laughs> cap on the whiteout, I get it. Uh, yeah, because that's the thing you put on the bottle of the thing. <sighs> whiteout. And do our final judgments on do, it. Do, 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 Very quickly, because I don't do, think we have much to say. 
But the categories, as always, are, was this a, a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie that you actually kind of liked in some way? Amanda, go. Oh, my God. Uh, terrible. It's terrible. I thought this movie was boring and terrible. And um, they should have marketed it as a movie about diamonds. Mm-hmm. And then... A sequel to Blood Diamonds. <laughs> Yes. yes, snow diamonds. Really cold mm-hmm. leg diamonds. It's a sequel to it's a sequel to Blood Diamonds and Wait Snow a Dogs. They pull a bag of diamonds out of someone's leg and at no point do we yell out legs diamonds. <laughs> it's a good point. Oh do over. We better watch the movie again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. I have it for twenty four hours, guys. So. Oh good. Oh, that is twenty four hours too much. <laughs> Elliot, uh, I would call it a bad, bad movie. Uh, I think this is this was for me. I think the most boring movie we've watched, more than Ten Thousand BC or Seven Pounds, which I actually uh, had had less trouble watching than you guys did. But right. uh, early on, I watched when I was watching this movie. I'm like, hey, you know what? This not, might not be so bad. It's got uh, Tom Skerritt in it. I don't think that Kate Beckinsale has like good choices in movies, but she's certainly a very a pretty woman. A good-looking... And it opened with her stripping one. down to her underpants. So. Yeah, that was a good Sports sign. Sports bra. Um, well, but but That's very, the... very small briefs, though. She was very fetching in her panties and sports bra. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a greeting card. You were very fetching in your panties and sports bra. But, um... And the premise, Happy I Happy First thought... Communion. <laughs> Is that inappropriate? <laughs> if you ever Let get that card, you the way run. Of the, of the Gentiles, Elliot. No, I assume that's something that old people do. <laughs> so, yeah, but the premise too, not bad. You know, like someone is going to have to solve a uh, murder at Antarctica. The idea of a murder on Antarctica is not bad, but everything else is terrible. But yeah, but then the movie slowed way down, and all the mystery was, were solved way too quickly, and uh, it was just boring. It felt like watching a particularly bad point-and-click video game, mm. where it's like, uh-oh, now you have to go to the other base. Fly there. You found an object. Mm-hmm. It's an ice axe. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah. What, what will you do with it? Use on door, you know, and stuff like that. Hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've discovered the way that they can make back a little money on With this the property. Whiteout. The whiteout adventure game. Mm-hmm. Hey, remember that movie no one liked from a couple years ago? Well, now here's a video game based on <laughs> they it. They could go back in time and get uh, Sierra to put it out. Except <laughs> it in every scene in the video game, Kate Beckinsale would be in her panties and sports bra. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. For no reason. No, for very good And she'd reason. have all of her fingers. Probably. Yeah, well, maybe, like, if you make a wrong choice, you lose the finger. <laughs> it is, a, I mean, there is something ballsy about a movie with, with a, starring a beautiful woman where at a certain point the, the, she loses two of her fingers and they're just gone. Like, they don't come back, you know. But there's also something... <laughs> she ball- has no lizard DNA. <laughs> <laughs> She's not Kurt Connors, yeah, but there, but it's still not. It doesn't make it a good movie. It's just an interesting choice for them yeah. to go through with. Well, that was the that was by far the most effective scene when she had to have her fingers amputated. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so I guess watch Dan, that scene. We know what Dan likes in movies is women in their underpants and women getting their fingers cut off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy from Saw. <laughs> anyway, so we have one letter to read. Uh, just one. I like letters. Yeah, this is from my uh, my internet love, Ashley, a woman who wrote in um, to reassure me that uh, you and Stuart weren't uh, the only 
The fl- uh, only flop studs. Now that's very nice. This is uh, this is an entry in my Give Dan a Hook contest. Oh, okay. It says hook and close. Dan, how is there even a question of your hook? Obviously, it's those mournful sighs. <laughs> Funny, because it's true. Keep going. <laughs> Just like you said about my uh, doll, yeah. my Flophouse doll. When Stuart says something grotesque, <laughs> when you're trying to get the conversation back on track... Or just when the full realization of how terrible a movie w- was sets in, it's trademark Dan. Don't fight it, embrace it. It's either that or conduct all future podcasts as Michael Caine. Mm, so. I could see that. So you you're go. Dan McCoy sci guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's let's hear one. <sighs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I really believed you were unhappy with your life and the way <laughs> yeah. it's going. Well, it's a constant baseline of displeasure that i'm able to draw on <laughs> it's like a superpower yeah but you really the size are a part of you like if you were a broadway show you'd be miss saigon oh god <laughs> you're just trying to draw them out of me now i think dan should be a psychiatrist yeah that's pretty good <laughs> if he was a singer at java the hut's barge he would be Cy snoodles <laughs> <laughs> keep them coming come on uh <laughs> Uh, if E-Way was a movie of a retro-futuristic film, it would be Psy Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Uh-huh. Good, mm-hmm. good. If he um, was going to measure earthquakes, he would, well, he would just be a seismologist. Yeah. I didn't really bring was, a lot to that one. I'm if sorry. He, if he was from um, what the ancient Romans called Gaul, he would be a packet of French size <laughs> instead of French fries. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> and if he was a pig, he would live in a pig sigh. Well, that was a whole lot of nothing. Anyway, let's move <laughs> on. I appreciate the hook, though, even though it makes me out to be even sadder than before. Um, let's move on to the final. So, is that hook contest still open? Well, I don't. We haven't talked about how we're going to decide the winner, so I guess it is by default. <laughs> here's a here's a terrible truth about the flop house. We don't discuss the mechanics of these things off the air because we forget to. Yep. Well, we're busy people. Mm-hmm. Me with my Emmy-winning career and you guys with whatever it is you do. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Then my new hook is I'm a jerk. <laughs> Name-dropping jerk. Yeah. I dropped the name of an award. <laughs> I know, but earlier, before when we were not recording, you mentioned Anne Hathaway. No, I didn't, though. <laughs> Dan how mentioned your, her as if best I... best friends. No, not at all. <laughs> Barely know her. Okay. Not gonna drop. Not gonna drop names. Okay. Not that name anyway. Um. Yeah, but I think that we'll, we should keep it open. Uh, one more round. Uh, just because we haven't figured that out entirely. And if we would that be seven rounds, <laughs> or twelve rounds, like the movie Twelve Rounds. <laughs> we never... I want to. I want to hook. If I had a hook on the show, it would be that. Oh, you're a girl. I live nearby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're ready. And I am available at the convenient. last minute. <laughs> I conveniently live very close to Dan. No, you know. Uh, no, you don't figure it out. Okay. I was, I was gonna. I was going to, for the benefit of the audience who doesn't know you, you're a uh, stand-up of many years. And you've written. I'm an for, old stand-up. Yeah. I'm a, a really wizened, she's a, she's a old, shriveled old lady. Yes. And you've written for various television programs. You can't see, like, but uh, the jokes she tells come Sid out of Caesar. a of wrinkles. Sure. I wrote for Sid Caesar. Yeah, I wrote for uh, Burns Bo- and Allen. Listen, Sigh and the Family Show. Stone. I just wanted to get that one in. Sigh and the Family Stone. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Cyclops. 
Um, yeah, well, you're the Cyclops of the group. Kind of boring, the leader. Holds it all together, but no one likes him. He's no one's favorite. Really? Is that what Cyclops is known for? I thought it was just <laughs> yes. the one-eye thing. No, he is known for being the, the X-Man no one cares that much about. Oh. He's the Leonardo of the group, mm-hmm. as we always say. Another one, the everyone's least favorite Ninja Turtle. Gotcha. The Luke Skywalker, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. so let's move on. You're the on. James Madison of the group, if we were the founding fathers. <laughs> Very important, but no one Very really short. cares for him. So let's move on to the final segment of the show, which is where we recommend things that we actually liked. Impossible. In order to uh, take the bitter taste of failure out of all of your mouths. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I'll start for once. Uh, I saw the movie In the Loop recently, which is I'd like to see that. not a movie that I feel like needs my critical support because it is a Oscar-nominated uh, for Best Adapted Screenplay film, and it was on a lot of 10 Best of the Year lists, but it's uh, extremely funny. Um, and it also... For the first like half of the movie, it's one of the funniest comedies I've seen in years. Then for like the next quarter, it turns into almost like a political thriller, and then it's just devastatingly depressing while still being funny. Um, but it's one of these movies where I had it from Netflix, and I sort of immediately wished I owned it because the density of jokes in it is is so great, and many of them are just sort of thrown away and tossed off. And you, you could rewatch it, I feel like, multiple times and still get a lot out of it. Hmm. So that's, that's my recommendation. Good. I'd like to see that movie. Amanda, yeah. do you have anything uh, racked up? Oh, yeah. I um, I recently rented Coco Before Chanel, ah. um, which I would recommend. It's uh, the story of Coco Chanel. Is that the one with Audrey Tattoo? Or is that someone else? Oui! Audrey Tattoo um, is adorable. And pretty much everyone could just look at her for a couple hours. And it's just, it just so happens that while you're looking at her, she's acting out the story of Coco Chanel. She's not just lying around reading a magazine no. and cooking I mean, an egg. part of the time she is, but it's Coco Ch- Chanel reading a magazine. Ah, uh, I see. Um, and I recommend it even though I'm not sure if it's pronounced biopic or biopic. Is it just go ahead? Is I say it biopic. Bi- I say biopic, but other people say biopic. Okay. Biopic sounds to me like myopic. Yeah. yeah it sounds like there's insult. two opics. Yeah, two op exactly. Whereas yeah. biopic, it's like oh, it's a moving picture. That's a yeah. biography. Because you don't say. Well, no. <laughs> you do say that. <laughs> I was trying Ladies to say. Ladies and gentlemen, Amanda's to... <laughs> having an argument with herself inside her own brain. <laughs> it's just you like know, a movie identity. That really plays well over the. F- the internet radio yeah. internal yeah, conversations quiet. <laughs> quiet does that's that's sort of the whiteout of radio commentary <laughs> it makes the listener quiet. lean in because <laughs> if they can hear your thoughts and turn the volume up because <laughs> they think it's broken <laughs> what is it what happened to amanda she's their neighbor i don't know she's very old <laughs> nice that's that they the, let that old neighbor <laughs> them. that'll be the next uh contest solve the mystery of what happened to amanda <laughs> She was about to recommend Coco before Chanel, and then... The lights went out. And when they turned on again, she was gone. (laughs) She was found sewn inside a dead body's calf. (laughs) That's how small I am. Mm -hmm. I didn't mention... Oh, yeah, she's also tiny. She's like a gnome. (laughs) An old neighborly gnome. (laughs) 
so anyway elliot i think i will make this an international recommendations mm. session your movie's from england right mm-hmm. and coco before chanel is a french film right oh yes it's in french i forgot to mention and uh have we has anyone recommended thirst on the show yet no i don't think so uh i saw recently uh thirst chanwook park's uh vampire film uh which i didn't think was perfect it's a little too long and it kind of takes a while to get where it's going but there's a lot of really good scenes to it and it's almost less of a vampire horror movie than a kind of weird film noir involving vampire powers like it's much more a story about a man who falls afoul of a femme fatale and he happens to be a vampire and she wants to become one than it is you know, about, you know, like Twilight type stuff. Um, but there are a lot of really good gross scenes in it, and uh, I liked the ending of it a lot. And while it wasn't my favorite of his films, uh, he also did, like, Old Boy and Sympathy for Mr. Mm-hmm. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance. Um, I thought it was a an interesting twist on the normal vampires stuff. Well, I literally have that in a Netflix envelope on my shelf right now, so I will look forward to uh, watching that. I'll be interested to see what you think of it afterwards. I've been, I've been putting it off because I've, I haven't had enough time to sit down and pay attention to something that has subtitles where I actually have to look at the screen for the full movie. Yeah, it's it's a little it's over two hours too, which is it's a little mm-hmm. long, but there's some there's some good blood scenes and things like that. All right, good blood scenes. Oh. I know Amanda likes that. Uh, yeah, fewer of those in Coco before Chanel. But there's still some. I mean, like, it reveals how Chanel used to kidnap people and put them in a torture chamber and make yes. them make hard decisions. You well, know. she's like Lady Bathory. Like, that's how, she, you know, that's how her uh, cosmetics keep people young. Mm-hmm. The blood oh, of yeah. virgins. The blood of virgins. So, like in that movie that, it was an Uwe Boll movie, right? Uwe Boll? Uwe Boll. Was it called, like, Blood Rain or something? Oh, yeah. It's a lot like that. Blood bath. She uses the blood of virgins to make tasteful suits. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. Mm, well, that's okay. very nice. And little dresses, right? Yeah. Um, and so forth. Murder. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, we got to wrap it up on that sort of weak, uh, uh, desultory uh, note. But, um, Jeez. The ever confident Dan McCoy. <laughs> oh, right. a lot. Sigh us out of this one, huh? Yeah. We're, we're running out of time. Sigh <laughs> Masterson. Nice. There you go. You saved it at the last minute. Good yeah, work. Barely. <laughs> so, uh, for the Flop House, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Amanda Melson. And I will continue to be Elliot Kalen. Good night. In three. <laughs> he says in three and instead of saying two he takes a sip of water <laughs> you have to wait for those numbers I guess <laughs> you know who never gets to do the countdown is Kate Beckinsale's character oh, oh she can count down from three <laughs> two one <laughs>